So I'm going to talk about a topic today as we're kind of in between series. As we just ended the Hope series, uh, we're going to move into a completely new one. So we have kind of a one-week gap there, and I get to be the transition into. So uh, I had picked a topic that's been relevant usually probably throughout my life. It's been in different places here and there. But especially lately, I've just really seen the fruits of this whole concept come through. So I kind of had picked that and then uh, didn't really check with Patrick and everything's just sort of, you know, maybe a month out, rushes through and here we are. And I was like, oh, by the way, I'm going to talk about this. And he's like, oh, yeah, I saw that. It's perfect because I was going to do this thing and all that. So even though everybody's gone, I am supposed to preach today because there was some divine intervention in the backside that everybody's minds were aligned. So what we're going to talk about today is community. So that's a, a word that has a lot of different meaning. And specifically, we're going to be talking about spiritual and biblical community. So for me, in my own life, that's probably been the biggest differentiating factor in my entire walk with Christ. Uh, I grew up in church. I was saved at a young age. And where I went to church, we were there Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening. And Wednesday evening was youth group, and that maybe was like the first concept of what it was like to have community because I went to school with these guys and girls and then we were at church and that group of maybe 10 to 12 of us stuck together all the way through junior high high school and then I haven't seen them since but uh, they're still out there you know between social media and some other things I can still keep up everybody's doing well Uh, but that was really the first time maybe that you would end up in a place that somebody is different than, than you. Maybe they didn't grow up the same way they have different beliefs things like that and I've got friends from church that are also at school and I didn't know it at that time, but that's sort of what we're, what we're happening to. So around the time that I was getting ready to go off to school, our church had this new concept of Sunday night church wasn't going to be at the church, but families were going to start meeting at each other's houses, and it was going to be called life groups. This is in Texas, so everybody's like, well, we don't do that there. What do you, we can't have church not in church. What do you mean? We can't do that. How are we going to learn anything if there's not a steeple on the roof? That's kind of how I thought, but I was 18, and I just, it was a weird thing to me, like, this is why are we going to meet in people's rooms? But I left, went off to school, and my entire life changed, and I kind of was wayward for a long time. So I did end up back in church, left a, like a tumbleweed drifting, ended up at the front steps, and somebody picked me up and put me in the pew, almost. Uh, so, you know, you have to redefine maybe what God means in your life at different points, and I think this is the point that everything sort of became real. Because when you're a kid and you're growing up or in your junior high and high school, you've got mom, you've got dad, you've got all these people in the church that are looking out for you. Or, you know, I would might be doing something and I would say, like, I can't do this or do that. What if people at church found out I did this? So, like, I had this fear, maybe. And through a biblical and spiritual community, I passed through fear and I came to understanding, which is much more powerful. Because you can tell somebody not to do anything this or that, because it's scary or it might be bad, but they're probably going to make that choice anyway, just like we all know the analogy of the little kid with the hot stove, don't touch it, what are they going to do? You don't know it's hot and it's going to hurt you until it So the idea is that everything you were afraid of, that fear wasn't strong enough, but once you actually have an understanding of why you do the things you do, your faith becomes stronger. And I learned that through community. So... uh, Patrick ended his series with 
the 12 disciples as Jesus was ascending into heaven, and then they were given this great commission to go and spread the word. But you have these 11 guys, and as the story goes, uh, there was a 12th member who was no longer a member. As Judas Iscariot was no longer a member. He had uh, moved out of the, the group of 12, so they had to have a new member. They all came together and probably said, okay, what do we do now? Well, we have these things, but they're probably the first real example of a community group that we might have. So they're all having to complete this common task with each other. I would imagine that in a group of 12, they didn't all get along, just like I'm sure we don't all get along. Chase and I get along pretty well, but sometimes I think we may have to arm wrestle to see who pays for lunch. I don't know. But the conflict is just part of, part of being human. We're all flawed. We all have different wants or needs, or we have a different thing we might want to accomplish. Scott snuck in the back there. He, he's one of the main inspirations maybe for a lot of stuff I'm talking about. So if his seat gets warm, that might be why if you see him squirming over there. Uh, so in, in your life, maybe community's taken a different form or different shape. Um, if you've ever been a part of a group project, you understand that not everybody is created equal in the classroom, and you might have four people and two or maybe one yourself does all the work. Or maybe you've been in a team sport. I'll try to keep the sports analogies to a minimum because I'm not ever a sports guy, uh, girl. But if you played sports, you understand the concept of teamwork. And sometimes you're only as strong as your weakest link. Uh, but that was maybe, you know, another way that I learned you have to rely on others and things like that. You can't do everything yourself. Uh, and if somebody makes a mistake, you've got to pick them up. And I think you'll see that throughout the theme of, of some of the things we've got. So I've got six points, and I'll try to move through them quickly. And I'll maybe check in the clock to make sure we're not here too late. Uh, so um, as we start through this, whether you're single and you're looking for someone to walk through that phase of life with because they're also single and you have similar uh, trajectory that you're maybe searching for the right mate or trying to understand what the right mate might be. Maybe it's better for you to align with a single person if you're married. Maybe it's better that more married couples stick together. Or if you want to have a married couple that's maybe your mentor couple so you can have an example of what it would look like when you are married so you have a godly marriage to look up to. There are a few married people uh, in here that you could probably go and ask questions to about what should I look for in a spouse and things like that. So all those things are gained through community. So I gave you a little bit of background about how I grew up, uh, but I was not a monk in some monastery studying scripture. Uh, So most of my scripture knowledge actually came from this time in community, and I think you'll see why as we move forward. So point one or the first step in community, is to devote daily. So devotion is probably the key word for a little while here. Uh, But I'm going to take this from a verse. It's John 15, 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the whole concept of a community group is made up of individuals, and you have all these different people working towards this common goal of having a stronger relationship with Christ. So if you're going to be a part of the group and you want to contribute, you have to have something to contribute. So it really starts with yourself and your daily walk with God. So I would ask, you know, to look through this whole thing as a big picture. The context of John 15, 5, this is Jesus just before his arrest, and he's talking with the disciples and he's giving the uh, warning to Peter that he's going to deny him. So he's talking about what life might be like when he's no longer there and how they're going to have to rely on one another. But really, it all started with Jesus. So if you're not connected to the source, you can't bear fruit. 
So the ways to do that, because I, I always appreciate practical application, because I can say devote daily and spend time with the Lord, but that's a very broad way to do that. So just some ways to do that if you're looking for a quick fix. There are daily devotionals out there. I have one that is emailed to me daily, so my phone will email. I'm like, oh yeah, I need to do that or read through that. So that means spending time in Scripture, and there's words in front of that, meditate on Scripture. Spend time in prayer and reading your Bible. What that really means is have your Bible out, read something, think about it, and pray to God. Lord, help me learn something from these verses today, something that I'm supposed to take away from this daily read. I used to think that the Bible was made up of verses that we hear these things sort of in, in one-verse snippets, like John 3.16. And I thought the Bible was just all these different things, almost like Proverbs, where it's like, this is pertaining to this, this versus this. And then as you get older, you realize the Bible is actually stories of people just like us that struggle through life. Uh, and the weird thing is, even though it was written thousands of years ago, you're going to find somebody in a Bible story that has the exact same struggle you had. And Scripture is wide-ranging, and it is communicable to every age. So even today, uh, they did not know we would have iPads, iPhones, or the Internet, but you'll find things about there with people struggling uh, with different things that turns out to be uh, substance abuse. Uh, I don't know if you know, but, but Noah was a drunk. So if you have something that you're struggling with, with alcohol and, and your rate of consumption, if you're not drinking moderately, Noah went through the same thing. So you know, even though that was at maybe the beginning, you're going to find Bible characters that, that uh, had that all the way through. Uh, Moses stuttered. I don't know if you guys knew that. But there's just all sorts of things that you recognize because it's still just humans working through uh, life. Uh, but the idea is to, to help yourself before you can help others. The analogy that was taught to me is a little grim, but it makes the most sense. If you were in an airplane and there was some sort of wacky turbulence Everything's going to be fine. You're going to land. It'll be okay. But the mask drop down. The first thing they say is, place your mask over your own head before you try to help others. And that's what you have to do. If you don't put your own mask on, if there's cabin pressure or whatever, lack of oxygen, you'll, you'll be fine, but you might pass out. So before you can help someone else, you've got to put your own mask on. And that's the idea. If you don't have your own life in line, or if you're not devoting daily to God and have some sort of relationship that you can fall back on, how are you going to speak into someone else's life? when they ask you tough questions. I have an app on my phone called Great Questions. I can show you the picture of it so you're going to find it later in the Apple Store, but it covers everything. Like when we're talking about everything, every little corner or facet of Scripture, if you want to know what the Bible says about drugs, marriage, uh, you know, not really the Internet, you know, because it's not the Bible, but application to how you should view things on the Internet, it's in there, but you can really just search for anything and a question will pop up. There's Scripture and there's commentary. Great way to know questions. So if you've devoted daily and you've identified some people that you might want to spend your life working toward your relationship with God to make it stronger, pursue those people relationally. That's point two. So if you are pursuing God and you're devoting to God, you must also devote to one another. So I'll have a verse here in Romans, Romans 12:10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love give preference to one another, and honor. So uh, if you're going to be devoted to one another, that means more maybe than just saying hello or when we do quick connect time and you see a face, you say, oh, hi, how you doing? Because church is, is on Sunday, but life is lived Monday through Saturday, right? So if I know that something's going on and I need to text PJ 
and I, I'm not going to call PJ out on anything because I know Patrick likes to pick on him, but I'll, in a positive way, if PJ says I have a huge thing going this week, why don't I text him and ask, how did that go? Is there anything I can do to help you? Can I pray for you this week in any way? And devoting to each other in that way to give an idea, uh, the context of that Romans verse is, is Paul's letters to the Romans, and it's specifically describing the marks of a Christian, okay? And, and what it would look like if you were a believer and one of those is to pursue other believers in a friendly way. Or if you're in that season of singleness and you're pursuing a spouse, pursue a believer as a spouse. There's all sorts of verses about not being unequally yoked. And there's difficulty that comes with aligning if, if you're not of the same faith. So uh, that, that's a, a huge part of, of life in general. Um, my wife stands next to me and sings. She sang that last song. Uh, talk about community and, and pursuing each other, you know, and, and changes and things like that. There are movies that I grew up watching and love that she's never seen. Uh, before we were married or dating, she had never seen Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. I know, I know. But we we corrected that quickly. And I, you just like nuances of personality and things like that that I never would have realized I have changed or done. I used to be up at 5.45 every day. She is more of like stay up till midnight or later and sleep until 9. Well, guess what? I stay up later and sleep till almost 9 sometimes. And that's just how things go. When you're around people, they affect you, positively or negatively. It's, it's unstoppable. It's going to happen. So align yourself and pursue people that you also see living a godly life because they will have a, a vast impact on what you do. If you look around and you don't like where you're at, uh, there's a, a phrase here I'll, I'll give you. It's, uh, if you don't like where you're at, change your playground or change your playmates. If you don't like where you're at, maybe it, it's the places you're spending your time or it's the people you're spending your time with. If you see your life going in this direction, but you're being pulled back in the opposite direction and things are not positive over there, make a change. You know, I, I know I'm not the same person today as I was five years ago, Ten years ago, me five years from now will look back. Probably uh, this is being recorded. Probably look back and say, like, "What was I thinking when I talked about that?" You change, okay? And and everybody here is in church, and we're talking to one another, and we're pursuing this relationship with Christ. You're going to feel that pull to God, and God will be calling you. If the other thing's calling you the other direction, make a change. They'll have a vast impact on your life, whether they are a positive or negative influence. So. If you've devoted to God and you've found some other that you're going to devote to, the next one, live authentically. And this one I'll try not to spend all my time on because I could talk about this forever. This is the most difficult part of an entire uh, community idea. Uh, I'll just give you a background verse and I'll try to keep moving because I'm going to get passionate and start talking forever. Uh, James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of the righteous can accomplish much. So uh, just some quick context. This is, this is James uh, describing how to live. And you'll see a lot of, of things in a list here of, of maybe what to do. And this one's specifically about confession of sin, but other famous things. If you've ever heard of the verse about let your yes be yes and your no be no, same thing. This is all in that same conversation about sticking to your word and meaning what you say. 
So, to be fully known and uh, live openly, authentically, is the only way that others that you are in a community with, or at, with, uh, you know, you're at church, that's the only way they can know how to pray for you and support you fully. So the verse says, confess your sins to one another. Uh, if you have a Catholic background, you might be used to confession in the form of, of maybe going to confession and, and then having uh, penance to pay and things like that with a priest. Uh, this, this is not, in my opinion something that means you have to go through your entire life story and talk about the time you pushed your sister down the stairs and blamed it on the dog. This is living openly and saying without any fear, I'm struggling. Whatever it may be, everyone has a struggle and everyone feels like their own struggle is way worse than everybody else's. So if you have that fear, I would encourage you to let go. I know it's difficult I went through this, and I thought there were things about me that if people knew, they would not want to talk to me, not want to be my friend. As ugly of a person as I used to be, every time I look at my wife, I know that that was God's promise, that no matter how bad I try to screw up my life, if I just am open and honest about what I struggle and have people encourage me and support me, his promise is true, and, and she's sitting right over there. I would never thought I would find somebody as fantastic, wonderful, beautiful, Every positive adjective you can think of, it's manifested right there. But had I not taken these steps and really committed to changing things, that probably would have never happened. We had our own difficult conversations very early on. You know, here's what this might look like. And then, you know, we'd have to stop every minute and take a break. And she said, I just need time to process. But I was open. And that paid major dividends later. Imagine if she had found out, uh, you know, about anything or was something that may be uncomfortable or maybe she didn't like some of the financial decisions that I had made earlier in life. Anything that pertains to what is important in a marriage, if you're not open about that or authentic about it, you can't make progress. If you've ever been to counseling, you know that counseling is only as good as the participants because you can sit in a room for an hour and have somebody talk at you about all these concepts and you go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But if you're not giving them real truthful insight into what your problems are or what your struggle is, they're not going to have a clue what direction other than just casting a wide net of here's what I hope applies and maybe one thing will stick. So what that would have looked for, like for me uh, just you know, even recently or uh, as I developed the, the whole uh, you know, realm of community of having people in my life that are still there today even though they're not in New York that I can text or call and say I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really having a hard time with this. Uh, in, in New York there's there's not anywhere that we uh, have connected yet before we found a new city, you know, and we're a new married couple, and I'm really struggling. How I don't know how to love my wife correctly or better. I, we're just struggling because we're arguing about things that I never even considered, and all of a sudden now it's like, do we make the bed or do we not make the bed? Why are there so many pillows on the bed? I don't know. I make the joke that I've, uh, she was back in Texas for the last week, and I left all the pillows neatly stacked. Otherwise, I feel like all I do every day is just move pillows back and forth so I can sleep on the bed. But, you know, just like dumb stuff like that starts an argument. So, you know, how do, how do you do that? If I had maybe a couple like Steve and Tony that I could go to and say, Steve, I'm trying to get my head wrapped around this marriage thing. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Well, guess what? Steve's been married for a little while. He can probably give you some tips and pointers. That's the whole concept of community. I'm working on that one. I'm working on that one. Okay, so if you're living authentically and we're confessing sins to one another, and if you have something that you're, you're worried about, where you look for answers, and we, we talked about this at the beginning, you have to counsel biblically. So there's, there's our, our next point. 
Uh, I'll give you a verse for reference here. Second Timothy chapter three, sixteen through seventeen says, All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, when you have an issue, find out what the Bible has to say about it. If you don't know the Bible, I gave you an app that's going to give you direction as where to look for. I have a book that I don't have to use as much anymore because I have the app, but it's called Counseling Through Scripture. And it gives specific points of all the different things that somebody might be struggling with. Loneliness, depression, anything like that. Uh, If you have... You know, a, a, an overall context of, of where this verse comes from, it's Timothy's uh, validation of Scripture, that it is God-breathed. That no matter what may have happened throughout the course of history and all these councils of Nicaea, no matter what Dan Brown writes, if someone has written Scripture and it's in the Bible, God had a purpose for it to be there, and it's there for a reason, and it's applicable. Even if, if you're looking at the book of Ruth, that's the Bachelor Bible version. But it's there for a reason, maybe to, you know, give some insight of how Life should work for a young woman that's, that's seeking a spouse. So it's, it's all there for the right reasons of rebuking one another. If you're confessing sins and you say I'm openly to someone, I'm struggling with this, what do I do? The first place you should look to is Scripture. Scripture has the right words to correct things. As I've talked about, the, sort of a, a theme throughout is you'll find that the Bible has answers for all problems in life, or at least an application to all problems in life. So, to counsel each other biblically, the next thing is to admonish faithfully. And to uh, admonish faithfully, we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts. Uh, so, in the context of Colossians, this is talking about the, the new self. You know, if you followed all these steps and you're starting to correct things and you're living positively towards your walk with Christ, you have these influences coming from other people uh, and you're starting to devote daily to God and spend time in Scripture and you're looking for these things and you're counseling biblically. This is where I was talking about, I wasn't a monk, but I learned more about Scripture from just talking to the guys that I was hanging out with about what does the Bible say about this? You know, if, if somebody was, was uh, feeling like they were lost in any scope of life, don't know what to do with my career. Well, you know, there's, there's scripture that, that tells you that the things of earth are, are fading, but if you focus on God, he'll take care of that. And it's not uh, prosperity gospel that if you're just a good Christian, if you do things the right way, that God will give you all the answers and he will fulfill all your dreams. And he's not the genie from Aladdin. But the, the point remains that if you, if you are devoted to God, he has a purpose and a plan for you. I talked about mine with Miranda sitting over there. You know, had no clue that was coming around the event. I went to a, uh, a welcome, like, spring fling party at some friends of friends back in Texas and just went to hang out for a little while. And I was in the backyard because in Texas we have parties in backyards. If that sounds weird to you, it's not down there. Uh, but I was standing there with, with my friend, and I saw her across the yard, and I said, oh, my gosh, who is that? Funny story, I was supposed to be his wingman and hang out that night. I ended up talking to Miranda for the first time, and he actually made some sort of, like, angry statement. And, and later on, I found out, and she knows, so it's okay. But he was like, well, I was supposed to hang out with William, but he's over there talking to some bimbo who I married. <laughs> so... Great, great funny story. 
But uh, to get back on track, admonishing faithfully in your new self, the influences of people around you in Scripture intake, what about the songs you listen to? I don't know if you have this thing, but I have this thing in my head that if I hear a song, maybe subconsciously, I sing it for the rest of the day in my head. And it's, you know, I have a song stuck in my head, can't shake it, don't know how to get rid of the song until I listen to it or something. I don't know what it is. But if you have a song stuck in your head, is it a good song? Is it a positive song? If you have that voice in the back of your head telling you, don't do this, you know this is bad. Is that voice, you know, is it from a positive influence or do you have the other voice that's saying, ah, this is okay, there's no problem? Because I have those too. But you can always justify anything to yourself. That's the easiest thing to do. And sometimes you can find somebody to justify your own actions or choices if you look hard enough. I want to do this. Scripture says don't do this. I know that Jesus would not approve of this, but I really want this. So if I sit and think about it long enough, I can say, well, it wouldn't be that bad. I could just do it for a little while because it's easy to justify for myself. But if I have accountability through community, because I've been living authentically and been counseling biblically by people I've devoted to that are also devoted to God in their daily walk, I'm going to have that positive influence and I'll be rebuked in a scriptural way or I'll have that reinforcement from a positive viewpoint that things are, are not easily justifiable. It's called accountability for a reason. If I need to make sure that I have everything done and I'm taking care of all of my business, I need to have somebody that's going to check on me. Just like if you've ever tried to go to the gym and work out, really easy to say, eh, I'm just not going to go today. I'll go, this, I'll go tonight when I have more time. I'm not going to get up at 5 and go to the gym. And then nighttime rolls around. You're like, ah, you know what, I'll, I'll just, today will be a rest day. I'll skip tomorrow. Next thing, week's going by and you haven't been in the gym for two months. But if you have a workout buddy and somebody's going to text you, hey, are you up? I'll meet you at the gym, 6 o'clock, you better be there. And if you know you have somebody that's counting on you, or if you're counting on somebody, that works in, in everything, that they will have a positive impact of keeping you on track so that you know if you fail and if you're living authentically, you know you're going to get some biblical counsel and you're going to be admonished faithfully. Even though it might hurt, you'll have somebody to tell you, this is not right, this is not good, we've got to get you on track. And it's not as easy to justify something to that accountability partner. If you know you're going to get called on it later, I guarantee you're going to think more than twice about what you're about to do. So all those things are, are taking place. The last thing, uh, last point, is to engage missionally. So we, we know the Great Commission, as I was talking about, maybe the context of what's going to happen after Jesus ascends back to heaven and the disciples are going to go out and spread the word. Uh, there's many times, and you can look at different points in the Bible, that they went together. It, it's easier to do something together. I talked about working out. I talked about long car ride. How many times have you been in the car by yourself? And if that's not your only alone time, you're like, who can I call? And you know making up something to talk to that person for two hours. I used to drive a lot for work, and I would just call my sister sometimes. Hey, what's going on? She has no clue I'm about to keep her on the phone for this entire two-hour drive. <clears throat> because it's easier. There's a, a verse that says that if, if there are two, uh, sorry, if, if you're by yourself, you know, you're, you're not as strong, but a, a strand or, or a cord of three is not easily broken. If you know about braided hair or rope, it's many small strings put together to be made strong. It's easier to engage missionally when you're together. So a verse for this is in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe that, uh, all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
So this is sort of maybe uh, the rest of the story, not with Paul Harvey, but where it goes from here. If you have <coughs> excuse me, all these things aligned, you still have that base mission of our Great Commission to spread the gospel, whether that's the person serving you coffee on an, a Tuesday morning or if that's your neighbor across the street that you know there's something going on in their life that you could be a positive influence, or as much as people give uh, grief to New Yorkers for being rude, I've seen people go out of their way to help others that are complete strangers. I've got a million stories. My favorite is a family. It was a mom and two little girls. And for some reason, uh, like, you know, as trains open up and then people rush out and people rush in, this little girl with her mom one sister was sitting here, and a seat opened up, and she thought, I'm going to go sit there. So she made a beeline for that seat, and then the train fills up, and all of a sudden she can't see mom, and it's dead quiet in there, and everyone's reading the paper, listening to music, and you hear this little voice, Mom, are you there? And mom's like, I'm here, sweetie. Are you over there? Yes, but I'm scared. And, and with the subway being as packed as it was on the morning, it looked like the Red Sea parting, and everyone found two inches of space to go like this, and this little girl went through a tunnel of people and made it back to mom. You know, and, and in some way, if you have this, even the smallest impact like that, people remember that. I remember that story, but maybe you can go further. Uh, I was said I was going to pick on Scott. Scott and I are, are, are good friends at this point, so um, his parents called, and I was sitting there. Instead of saying, hold on a second, I've got to I got to talk to my parents. He just puts it on speaker and he says, oh, "Hey, mom, William's sitting here too," and she watches our service. So, hello, Susan, if you're watching. Uh, but she was trying to give me some ideas about some songs we can do because she hears things throughout the week and she wants me to do it. Uh, and there was a, a specific song that she was telling me about by Matthew West called "Do Something," and in that, it's all of these stories of of suffering and heartache in the world. And the, the songwriter at Matthew West is singing. It's something like. Uh, all this death and destruction and suffering, and he's just pleading to God, why don't you do something, God? Why can't you just fix this or, or show up and make this better? And the answer within the song is, I did, I created you. So as we talked about at the, with the first verse, uh, back in John 15, uh, with God being the vine and the branches, we're the branches, and we're the arms of Christ, and we're supposed to be out in the community helping and doing things missionally with outreach. That, that is the Great Commission. We're spreading the gospel and maybe spreading the gospel that day is just planting a seed by a, a random act of kindness that makes somebody think twice about what just happened. You know, if, if, if they uh, are, are stuck outside the subway, hey, can I get a swipe? Yes, here you go. And by the way, God loves you. <laughs> then, it, you know, however many hundreds of people pass by that wouldn't help somebody, you did, but you just planted that small seed, and it, I don't know, it'll come out later on, usually when people are... are uh, scared or, or in, a, in a tough spot, that's when, when God shows up and people say, oh God, please help. I promise I'll, if you get me out of the situation, I'll do anything. But, but if they had never heard that or had that concept or that random act of kindness, uh, one time Miranda and I were on the way to the airport to go visit family and there was this young lady from Australia trying to find her way, completely lost, and she was like, hi, I just need something for this or that. Uh, I don't know where I'm going, what I'm doing. I just need, I think it was like $5 or something. I don't. I think I had a couple of 20s, and I just said, here, it's 20 bucks. Don't worry about it. And she's like, wait a minute, why did you do that? Why I'm a stranger, why did you help me? And I said, don't worry about it. You know, Maybe God put us on this path so we'd meet you today, and I'd just like to take care of you. Just know that God loves you. And while you're here, if you need a place to go to church, I know somewhere. 
and it stopped her in her tracks, and we ended up all praying together at the airport parking lot. So weird things happen all the time, and God works in mysterious ways. But, but we're engaging missionally. And I'll just throw this last little thing out there. Had I not married a godly woman or someone like Miranda that I know uh, appreciates the same things that I do or is also walking faithfully towards uh, strengthening her relationship with God, I would not have done that. Maybe I would have been embarrassed to. I felt that before in a room of, of non-believers when something happens, and I think, should I speak out? Should I not? But if I had somebody beside me to back me up and there was more than just me, engaging missionally is much easier. So that's why it's important that you are connecting and you surround yourself with a community of believers that believe the same way that you do. Uh, so I'll, I'll close up, but I just want to go back maybe to the beginning. Because if you ever feel like this process is maybe too big to handle, remember it starts with step one, and that's devoting to God daily. Uh, in our conversations, Chase and I were talking about how to, to frame some of this. You know, if, if you're going to hear that, devoting to God, what does that mean? Or what if somebody doesn't feel like they have time to devote to God? Uh, I'll throw out a, a reference here, and I'm from Texas, but it's okay. I'm not a Cowboys fan. This just happens to be Cowboys-related. But their chaplain was a pastor named Tony Evans, very famous uh, pastor out of Texas. If you've never heard him preach, he's fantastic. But his analogy for anything in life, but specifically here devoting to God, he says, if you're hungry, you will eat. And what that means is, if you really, really want to devote to God, you're going to find time to do it. Because if you haven't eaten all day, all of a sudden those street pretzels start to look kind of good. You know you shouldn't, but you're like, man, I'm, I'm really hungry. And it's easy to justify things to yourself, so make sure you have somebody faithless. How do you, don't eat the street pretzel. And that's how that works. In the same way that, uh, you know, maybe a, a metaphor in the Lord's Supper and Communion, as he's breaking bread and wine, and he says, as often as you do this, remember me. You know, as often as you eat, as much reliance as we have on God, and we require three, maybe, maybe more than three meals a day, if you have a snack like I do, about 10.30. Every time you eat, we, usually, you know, we try to sit and, and pray and bless our food in, rem- in remembrance that every time I need sustenance, in the same way I need God consistently like that as well. So if I'm hungry, I'm going to find something to eat. If I'm really hungry to devote to God, then I'll find a way to devote to God. And if you're not hungry, follow the steps all the way through and back and forth. And as Brian McKnight says, if you ever feel work is done started back at number one devote to daily <laughs> daily to god uh, so uh, if you if you're looking for somebody to connect with around the room we we shook hands we we did all the the nice things of, of saying hello but i know there's people in here that, that you maybe have not gone to that next step beyond just saying hello maybe you should invite someone to lunch or ask them you know i want to get to know you more how did you find new city there's a million ways to connect or if you see somebody that looks like you acts like you or they don't but you know, you find out they're from the same area because everybody comes from all different walks of life. Everybody's got a story and everybody's got a reason why they're here. And I would, would venture to put it out there that God definitely put them here for a specific reason. And maybe that's to connect with you, to provide all these things in this community, spiritually and biblically uh, based community that we have in church here. So that's what community might mean. And as we move to a, a next uh, series, I think you hear, you'll hear more from Patrick on uh, but this is sort of the framework or maybe of what community would look like. And I hope you've had some practical application instead of just a, a bunch of verses that are put up fancy uh, because it changed my life and it gave me a reason to not justify things to myself and change my trajectory. And I changed my playground, I changed my playmates, and I started devoting to God daily. 
and it changes everything. I'm sure you've all got your own stories. I'm gonna, since I'm in charge of order of service, I'm going to start to sing you out, and you're going to have to give your testimony, so just be ready. So I'll, I'll close this out in prayer. I think we've got some announcements. But if you have any questions about this or anything about devoting to God daily, find me, Chase, Steve, uh, or connect with one of our staff members during the week as they come back from their travels because it really does start with devoting daily and your relationship with God. So if you don't know what that means or if you don't have that whole thing figured out yet and you're trying to pursue that, find one of us and let's, let's correct that right away. So let's pray and we'll, and, uh, we'll finish up.